Well, look at this. Uh, Oklahoma football is such a big deal. It takes three to talk about the Sooners and spring practice and the uh, the red-white game. Hello, everyone. Garen Emick here with a couple of uh, buddies, Eric Bailey and Eli Letterman, who uh, is still hanging out in Stillwater and occasionally writing about Oklahoma State, but is also helping Eric and the cause on, on OU uh, football specifically. Uh, first of all, Eric, have you indoctrinated Eli into the beat? Is there anything that out in the open now that we're on, by the way, TulsaWorld.com video-wise, Google, Apple, Spotify, podcast-wise, is there anything you'd like to volunteer about young Mr. Letterman that, uh, that either he or the people uh, consuming this need to know? Well, Eli hasn't gone through our secret initiation on the beat yet, so that'll be over the summer. We'll figure that out when the time is right. No, that's what I, I figured. Was it, that would come big 12 media days. Is that when it comes? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm more than happy to have Eli on the beat. I think having two writers on the beat is very important for someone like something like Oklahoma football. And we were fortunate when Cody Stavenhagen uh, covered the Sooners with me uh, in the mid 20, 2010s. And Cody, of course, is doing really big things for the athletic and covering the Detroit Tigers. And we're really happy to see where he's at. And I'm excited about having Eli. I mean, just his talent. He's covered Oklahoma State for uh, for a year now. And, man, I tell you, this guy, <laughs> Eli, don't blush now. Just he's a go-getter. He's not afraid to work. And, you know, that's just going to make our coverage of Oklahoma athletics even more dynamic. And I'm really anxious and looking forward to working with Eli on this beat. Road trips just got a lot more fun, too, by the way, for, exactly. for reasons exactly. no one will ever find out publicly. But just let's just just let's just make that statement right now. Well, what do you think, Eli? What's uh, any any impressions that you'd like to offer up of it's been it's been all interview settings and, and a few practice early practice viewing. So it's not like, you know, you've, you've uh, you know, cracked the code necessarily. But what, what what have you seen and heard that interests you? Well, it's been kind of a thrill to get to jump onto any new beat, but to jump onto the OUB, getting to work with Eric, that in its own right is a bit of a thrill. And, uh, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a cool time to be heading down to Norman. Everything's new. I mean, I, I'm not the only one getting started. There's Brent Venables and a lot of his staff and a new quarterback. There's a whole lot of new down there, and I think that's that's got it's exciting for me. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, especially one who's going to come out to the spring game Saturday, you've got to be excited about all that's that's new around this program and you know there haven't been any wins or losses yet there's nothing to, to parse out or be negative about it's I think to this point it's all come up aces for the Sooners for Brent Venables and it's exciting times and, and now I'm getting kind of both sides of the Bedlam rivalry I don't know how many people have had this uh opportunity and and how many people in Tulsa world history have been able to file bylines for Norman and Stillwater on the same day but that's that's the mantle I'm holding right now um but it, it's been a thrill to get started. I'm really excited for some of the stuff that Eric and I are going to get to do, and some of the stuff we're already working on. It's pretty been pretty cool. The 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 mention of the the uh, scrimmage, if if you want to call it that, on Saturday, and I it's it looks like at least the Sooners are going to try to divide up and and have some kind of a game setting. But I mean, fans and and certainly viewers of and, and listeners to this podcast know that this this exercise has been dumbing way down the last really four or five years in particular. And so when, when Venables or Dylan Gabriel or any of the players or staff in Norman talk about how much they look forward to a, a you know, a, a red white game or a scrimmage, it's, it's really more sort of the event, right? Not so much anything that happens on the field. Um, and, and Eric, this, this weekend, 
you have the added attraction of a of a statue unveiling that I think is going to draw that 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 in itself. Venables wants a packed house. I'm not sure he's going to get eighty thousand at, at Owen Field Saturday, but I you might get a few thousand who otherwise wouldn't have shown up just to see a, a certain former quarterback get a statue unveiled. You know, it's going to be a really fun day, Garen. You look at it, and I, I really think there'll be around 50,000, a little more than 50. I think they expect 50, and we'll see how high that number gets. But you're right. I mean, Oklahoma, they're going to unveil Baker Mayfield statue at halftime. They're going to recognize him inside the stadium at halftime, and then the video boards are going to show the statue when uh, the magic tarp is taken off the, off, the, off the statue in Heisman Park. And I just think you're right. In the past couple of years, we look at this spring game and it's really Christmas in April for Oklahoma fans. It's a chance for them to see football. And I think the added attraction is seeing that new offense, that new defense, meeting Dylan Gabriel, seeing him throw some passes. Uh, first left-hander, I think, since uh, Josh Heupel, I believe. So and it's getting to know some of these new players and Brent Venables and his staff. I mean, there's so much newness that's going to happen on Saturday. If you're an Oklahoma fan, you got to be excited. But yeah, I think Baker Mayfield's the star attraction. He's a guy just so beloved. And really, when you look back at 2015, what he was able to do along with Lincoln Riley, I, I know I, that's kind of curious how that's going to play with Baker this week when we get a chance to talk to him. But what they did in 2015, what Baker led, uh, getting them to the college football playoff and setting them on that run, just an incredible run. So it'll, it'll be a fun day in Norman. Yeah, I'll ask you directly. Pretty direct question. You you tell me as as honestly as you want. Are you more are you more excited about hearing from Baker Mayfield, the the guy that played at OU when you were still in high school, I think, and <laughs> probably noticed what he did and and, and how he acted, mm-hmm. uh, not not just what he did. Uh, is that interest you as much as uh, anything that the current team might might do or say Saturday? Well, see, I wasn't going to bring up that I was still in high school when <laughs> when he was playing at OU. I didn't want to do that to you guys, but you brought it up yourself. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think it might have to be Baker, both, of course, the stature that he holds at OU. And I don't think, you know, for all the history and, you know, he's one of a handful of Heisman winners. I don't think there were I think there's been one Baker Mayfield at OU. And, and so that element is exciting. And, and then, of course, the fact that right now Baker Mayfield's professional career is uh, in some flux. It's a very interesting time, I think, to have Baker coming back. But to, to Eric's point about this spring game, kind of a Christmas in April. I think this might be Christmas with a birthday folded in just because of, of what's gone on basically since, you know, November 28th, 2021. Lincoln Riley leaves and, and everything's in flux. And I think since then, and, and this is, again, I'll say like that won't buy OU anything come the fall necessarily, but everything's gone pretty right. Brent Venables has, a, has brought in a staff that this spring everyone's been pretty excited about. We've seen the players buy in. They, they seem to have the quarterback who has gotten people to buy into that. And so as, as everything has kind of come up good for Venables and them, I think this spring game is kind of a, a celebration of that and what's been accomplished to this point. Um, so that, that's a good question. I might lean Baker, though. I think uh, I think that's what the fans will be excited about. It's probably what I'm most excited about myself. be interesting to see how much we get to hear uh, from Mayfield about his current NFL situation. I, I know he's going to be a Norman to sort of relive his glory years and uh, – I imagine he's going to want to keep it focused on on that memories, teammates, accomplishments, the flag, <laughs> the grab, if you know what I mean. In Lawrence, once upon a time, but uh, he, uh, he 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 it may come up. It might come up. Where I, I wouldn't mind asking him where, where the hell are you going to play, just uh, just for instance. Um, Eric, 
Brett Venables won another, what, 45 minutes yesterday? <laughs> I, every time we do this, it's, it's as much about how he presents, not just himself, but sort of this re, reimagined version of OU football, right? Not just, it's not just uh, uh, statements about progress of players. It's, it's where he wants to, to take this program. Yeah, it's funny. An alarm in the stadium didn't stop. Well, it stopped him for a little bit. Uh, he started an opening statement, then we had the alarm go off for five minutes, and then he got his first question and went 13 minutes with his first question. I think he kind of used some of his opening statement words in with that first question answered. But, no, I, I, we're still in this honeymoon period, and everything's excited, especially on this week. Everyone's excited about the game. And I, I'm more interested now in, in talking X's and O's talking players, and, and we're going to get that chance after the spring game. Uh, but he's still selling the program. He's setting the foundation for what he expects from his team, from his coaches, from himself, and even from the fans. He's listed his expectations before there's even one snap played in that stadium. And he every availability, he's really stressed that, that fans, it's important for the players to see that. Now he knows they need to earn their, their cheers and their respect but he really challenged the fans to come out and come out strong, especially with the recruits coming in uh, this weekend. So he's, he's passionate about football and he's passionate about this program. I'm just so impressed with how he's, he sells that every time. And it, it's genuine. It's not something out there just saying it to say it. You can really feel that it's genuine. I thought it was interesting in selling the program uh, yesterday with us. He sort he sort of landed on the the you know sort of the the what's the heart of the matter. And he he in the course of that thirteen minute opening statement, if you want to call it that, it, he actually referenced the same phrase twice, and that's taking what's a good program and making it great. And it's I didn't it's not I wasn't I didn't see it as a shot at Riley or heck even Bob Stoops because you could even view it as a shot at Stoops because Riley you could argue, even took the program to a higher plane than, than Bob had it, right? When he retired, uh, it, Venables mentions all of the championships, conference, Big 12 championships that have been won, the success, the, the fact that there is a, an unbelievable home field advantage already, even if he wants more fans to make more noise. And yet his point being, guys, that it – needs to be at a higher plane. And, and I thought it interesting that at one time in going there, he circled back to Clemson where he just spent the last 10 years and mentioned not, not their players, right. But what they have there in terms of facilities and commitment and, and on and on, and you can sort of see where he's getting at. It's not just, we need to be at a different place because of where we're going in terms of the sec. It's that, we need to be at a better place in terms of competing for not big, you know, legitimately competing, not just for big 12 titles, but, but national ones. So uh, good to great becomes, I think a, a little bit of a, a post spring theme as to, as to the picture that Venables has painted. Well, Garen, I'm glad you brought up the Clemson in because that's what jumped out to me. And it, it kind of makes for an interesting thing. I guess framing here with Brent Venables is obviously on Saturday, we'll get a first look at his defense and that's what he's going to hang his hat on. But, when you think about kind of the profile the coach has come to OU in the past, I mean, Bob Stoops came in the way he did. Lincoln Riley was sort of promoted. But Brent Venables has that combination of, of having been an elite assistant at one of the biggest programs in the country while having those OU roots. I mean, he was there for those early Stoops years. And so I think he might have, that, I wouldn't say the perfect combination, but he's got that. And I, it really jumped out to me hearing him speak about taking this program 
from good to great, not just leaning on OU and, and kind of the glory years of the past here, but pointing to Clemson as probably next to Alabama, the most impressive modern, you know, football powerhouse that's grown in, in recent years. And I think that would be something that if I were an OU fan sitting at home or hopefully reading the Tulsa world, that that would excite me. Well, and what's the, that was the road I chose to go in terms of what I wrote in terms, in terms of the column yesterday. And it was, and if, if we're using the spring game as sort of Venable's first chance to make a public mark, at least since his introduction, that's, I think that, that, that's why he's making this such a big deal in terms of, of drumming up interest and drumming up support. I, I spent five minutes uh, taking a look at spring game numbers for Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. I think Clemson and Bama were in the 30s. I think Ohio State drew, I think they announced 50. But if those, if that, if those are the three standard bearers, uh, at least in the playoff era, if, if the Sooners can, can fly by what they drew at the horseshoe, right? Uh, what was it, a week ago for Ohio State's uh, exercise? Well, then maybe this is the start of what he's talking about uh, in terms of getting that accomplished. You know, it's funny, too. You mentioned about just getting a chance to see this team and fans will get a chance to see this team. And I, I'll go back to our perspective about media access. I mean, it, he's selling this program, but he's also, uh, we see the five availabilities to go watch practice that the media had. And it's not only goodwill towards fans, it's goodwill toward media. And I'm very appreciative of that access that he's given us, but it's almost, you know, you, if you read between the lines too, it, you know, he, he's counting on the media to put that message across. You know, it's not only just trying to get fans in the stadium, it's also trying to, you know, rebuild this, this passion for Oklahoma football and to take people back to the Stoops era when Venables was here. I really think that that's something that fans have really, they, they, they long for those championships. And I think he understands that. He, they long for the, the 2000. It's been since 2000 since they won a national title. And you talk about from good to great. I think that he lived that. He lived the great. And he knows what it takes to get to the great. So I think he's doing just all kinds of things to really turn this program and, and, and get this program under his umbrella, I guess I'm trying to say. And he wants people to understand that, you know, he knows what it takes to get there. This is what he's selling to the fans. This is what he also sells to his recruits. This is what he sells to his team. I think it starts with him, and he mentioned it before. He said everything, you know, he's no one's going to work harder than him. And something else that impressed me about him, his love for Oklahoma and, and trying to draw fans to, you know, while he's talking about bringing fans to the spring game, he wants Oklahoma fans at tennis. He wants Oklahoma fans at golf. He wants Oklahoma fans everywhere celebrating all sports. And I, I thought that was a pretty cool deal, too. By the way, the benchmark for an OU spring game, 52,000, four years. I think it was four years ago. So if you're, if you're, looking, if you're, if you're looking for a, uh, a number, uh, and, I, and it's going to be I – don't, I don't think they'll actually count. I think it'll be an estimation uh, Saturday. But if you're looking for a number, that's the one to keep in mind uh, this weekend. While Venable sells the product, everyone beneath Venables, and I'm talking about assistants and players – continue to sell Venables, right? We, we continue to hear, uh, yesterday was Dylan Gabriel and, and Todd Bates, Brent's uh, co-defensive coordinator, who both were asked about, you know, their impressions of Venables uh, as a coach, as a head coach. Bates has worked with Brent, of course, on, on Dabo's defensive staff at Clemson. And if Venables is energetically, again, putting OU, doing his best energetically to put OU in a different place, um, in a better place even than, than where it was under Riley, I get the feeling that the uh, the energy flows 
down to the players and staff because they they point straight to they they don't sell the program but they sell Brent I guess is what I'm saying and by extension everyone's doing the same thing yeah I think I mean uh, it's as Eric pointed out we're still in that honeymoon phase so that's I mean worth noting over this whole weekend and everything but something that really fascinated me this spring has been as you put it kind of it all points back to Brent and, and particularly on this coaching staff that where you've got kind of a combination of new and old. You've guys like Todd Bates, uh, who worked with, with Brent Venables at Clemson, came here. Same with Miguel Chavis, the DN's coach. And then you've got Kale Gundy. You've got Bill Biedenboe, guys who've been here a while. But everyone's kind of saying all the same things. And, and the guys who worked with, with Brent at Clemson are seeing things they saw there, like Todd Bates, but also things they, you know, they, they were probably wondering, what is Brent Venables' head coach going to look like? And I think he's blowing them away. And and same can be said for for guys like Kale Gundy, who they've seen a lot. Um, and, and for him to come in and impress them and, and jump out to them and on down to the players, I think has been uh, probably one of the storylines of, of spring camp. And again, it's that honeymoon phase. But I'm going to be writing some about that in the next few days about what, you know, what has stood out to, to people who had never worked around Brent before. And, and I think even more interestingly, what people, what surprised people uh, who have been around him for years as he's kind of taken on a, his biggest challenge yet. Not to end on a, on a cliched question, but I, I'm going to. Is, is there anyone in particular that you are curious to see on the field Saturday? Outside of, I'll say outside of Gabriel, because I know every, everyone wants to see him fling it a few times. Um, both of you, I, anyone, any names jump out? I, I'll say this. I'm more interested in seeing Marcus Stripling based on Venable's glowing one minute review of him yesterday. And then you may have already, you guys may have already heard that in sessions that I missed, but boy, Venable's made, made it sound like Stripling had, had practically been born again as, as a player. <laughs> so what, uh, what do you think? Who else, you, who else are we looking, looking for this weekend? You know, on offense, I'm really interested in seeing Javante Barnes, the running back out of Las Vegas, uh, We've heard a lot of good things from both Eric Gray uh, and DeMarco Murray about Javante's impact to that running backs room. And in the limited time we got to see the practices, I was impressed with his speed, just his downright speed. So uh, looking forward to seeing him uh, in action. Looking forward to seeing Jaden Gibson, too. Uh, yeah, you remember he was the one that was committed to Florida with Nick Evers, and they both uh, now are now at Oklahoma. And Jaden Gibson, 6'5". It's just interesting to see that tall receiver and and the camaraderie that he's built with uh, Dylan Gabriel and Nick Evers, too. So I'm excited about seeing them. And defensively, I, I think it's a newcomer that I, I want to see a couple. Well, I, I want to see Jeffrey Johnson, the, the Tulane transfer on the defensive line. I mean, here's a guy who made an impact at Tulane for four years. Uh, I just want to see what he looks like up front. And also, you know, an older player that it's brought, been brought up a couple of times during the fall is Jordan Kelly out of Union High School. Uh, Todd Bates, we had a chance to talk to him this week, and Todd uh, raved about Jordan Kelly. And Jordan Kelly, in our, in our session with him, talked about how the coaching is much different now and how he's really progressed under this new coaching. So kind of like interested to see uh, Jordan Kelly as well and to see what kind of impact he can make on the Eric Swipe, my Javante Barnes. I'm very, very excited to see him, and especially in a running back group that is a bit of a mystery as they try to fill that Kennedy Brooks hole. But on defense, another transfer is Jonah Laulu, the guy from uh, from Hawaii. Who, I mean, he's a big, big defensive end. I mean, he doesn't quite look like a defensive end, but it sounds like he moves like one. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like coming off the edge. And then in the secondary, I mean, there's new faces all over the defenses, but I'm kind of curious about 
the new looks you'll see from old faces. I mean, Key Lawrence and Woody Washington and Billy Bowman, guys, fans would at least have been familiar with last year. It sounds like they've found their kind of specific roles and been put into newish spots uh, this spring. And, and so I'm curious to see with, with the guidance from uh, from Jay Valai and Brendan Hall, they're the new DBs coaches, what, what those guys look like in, in this new look defense. Should also say it might be fun just to keep tabs on the number of former players, right, who show up, especially after what Venable said yesterday about how Oklahoma does a uniquely good job of reconnecting with uh, with alumni. He mentioned already the fact that uh, Lane Johnson and Tom Wart, and that's a name. Eric, you and I, did you cover Tom? Tom, he left right before I got here, but I you just missed him. Yeah, I just missed him, but I remember Tom. Uh, yeah, he was a heck of a linebacker. I had not thought of Tom Ward in a while. And uh, here, here was Venable saying that he and Johnson essentially woke the team up with, with their uh, crack of dawn pep rally speech or whatever it was. So um, someone said yesterday that Jason White had tweeted that he was coming, uh, speaking of Heisman Trophy winners, probably to help uh, help get Baker Mayfield's bronzed and everything. So, um, no, it should be an interesting Saturday. I, again, football-wise – you, you don't go – if you go overboard with judgment calls based on what's essentially a practice, I'd, I'd probably caution you. But it is still good to see something resembling football. And it, and it will be good to see all of the new faces, uh, you know, doing football things and not just talking in football terms as, uh, as they have throughout the spring. All right, fellas, thank you so much. Um, have a good time at the, uh, at the scrimmage on Saturday. We'll all three be there. We'll all three be filing stories. Please check those out in your Tulsa World hard copy on TulsaWorld.com. And please keep tuned to our uh, weekly podcast, courtesy of Google, Apple, and Spotify.